welcome to You Heard It Here First, helping you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and I have more great Audible recommendations to share with you. Plus, we'll be hearing from you too about your favorite books, podcasts, plays, and more. Before you settle in, this episode features clips that contain strong language and mature themes. First up, we're starting with our featured customer review. And this week, we're featuring Christine's review of Strange Ways, a prison officer's story. Here's what she had to say. The lid taken off prison life. I wasn't sure about buying this book, but I'm glad I did. The author is a former prison officer, so knows what it's like to be at the coalface. He comes over as a compassionate man whose health suffered as a consequence of the stress of working in a dangerous environment with too few staff and too much bureaucracy. It's depressing to learn of middle-aged men who've offended so often that they've spent most of their adult life in prison and about teenagers already embedded in a violent crime culture who will probably never take part in normal life. The narrator made me feel as though the author was telling his story in his own Yorkshire accent. Thanks, Christine. You can find Strange Ways, a prison officer's story, written by Neil Samworth and narrated by Jonathan Keeble on Audible. And next, it's time for our featured new release. This is the new audiobook that I can't get enough of, and this week I've chosen So Lucky by Dawn O'Porter. So I know Dawn O'Porter from the telly, and I'm sorry to say that actually almost put me off reading her book. I honestly assumed she was just another celebrity who was handed a book deal without much regard for whether she had the talent to pull it off, let alone for a fiction book. But I can safely admit that I have eaten my words. I bloody loved this book. Now, before I fully get into it, I must say that the narrative does jump around a lot. I still really enjoyed it, but it's something you might find a bit tricky. The story mainly follows two women, Beth and Ruby, as they navigate motherhood, sex, body issues, relationships and work. It's so frustratingly spot on that it's cringy, hilarious, devastating and touching all at the same time. Ruby is a single mum in her early 40s with a toddler called Bonnie, who is framed as her mother's nemesis. In fact, listen to how Ruby describes her at the start of the book. Fair warning, this clip contains strong language. Being a mother hasn't been the sweet experience I imagined it to be. In fact, my kid is an arsehole. Some might say she gets it from me. It's 7.05am. I am lying on my bed and she's screaming like she's being attacked in the next room. She isn't being attacked. She is fine. She doesn't sleep in a cot. She knows how to get up. But still, she shouts and screams until I go into her room, only to tell me to get away from her when I do. I didn't want a girl. I wanted a boy. I have no idea how to teach a girl to love herself. I thought if I had a boy, then Liam could just take care of that side of things. I also don't like how manipulative women are. I didn't realise it started so early. Do you see what I mean? She comes off a tad harsh about her little one. Then there's Beth, a bubbly new mum to a four-month-old. Sounds nice enough, but the reality of her life is that Beth is absolutely gagging for it from her husband. While she craves intimacy, he point-blank refuses to touch her or even entertain the sight of her naked body. 
It's all very funny, albeit desperate and sad. Trust me, there are some truly laugh-out-loud moments listening to the sections of Beth's life. She works as a boutique wedding planner and has an over-familiar assistant called Risky, who is the perfect caricature of a millennial, and has zero boundaries around her sex life in the office. Risky is a standout character for me, not because she's very good, but because everything she said was so delightfully shocking, outrageous, and damn right unprofessional. I was truly impressed by her audacious behaviour. Here's what I mean. This clip contains sexual references. Risky, we have a big high-profile wedding in under three weeks. We do not have the time for a selfie masterclass, I say, actually really wanting to know how to make myself look sexy in a photo. Tough, it's happening. Risky sits at her desk and holds her phone in her hands. Okay, copy everything I do. Hold your phone up a bit, you'll look thinner. I do as she says and hold the camera around 12 inches higher than my face. Okay, now look at it like it's just caught you masturbating but you don't mind because you kind of want it to join in. What? Risky, oh come on! What? There is nothing wrong with it. I just masturbated in the bathroom. So don't be ashamed of pretending to masturbate, that's just crazy. I put my phone down. I'm sorry? You just what? I just masturbated in the bathroom. I do it loads at work. It gives me a burst of energy in the afternoon. It's better than a Mars bar, isn't it? Better than a Mars bar? Sometimes I think Risky's another species. The other big character in the book is a woman called Lauren. I was originally confused as Lauren is mentioned in the blurb, but she isn't a main character in the way Ruby and Beth are. Instead, she appears as a series of Instagram posts and captions, and the other characters reference her celebrity and influencer status. We don't really hear from Lauren herself until the end, which brings me neatly onto the ending. It was all a bit underwhelming. And it's not because it was predictable. The plot twists weren't at all predictable. It just didn't challenge me or make me think or reflect on the story, and for that, it's largely unmemorable, except for a few lol moments. But that said, the book is thoroughly feel-good and has just the right level of cringe to make it a great listen. I'm not sure this book is really a romance novel, as some reviewers have implied. It's definitely chiclet, but I think it's perfectly enjoyable for anyone to get into. You can find So Lucky by Dawn O'Porter, narrated by Dawn and Clara Francis on Audible. And now it's time for our Hidden Gems section of the show. Each episode, I look through the Audible site to find something great that you may have previously missed. This week, I've gone for The Goodbye Party by Louis Naura. So this is a 12-part Audible drama. There's a huge cast of actors and a very rich, multi-layered sound design, which makes it more fun to listen to. The story is set in Sydney, Australia, and is actually based on a real-life murder mystery in the 1960s. It follows a former police officer called James O'Malley after he discovers his father's death after an alleged overdose. James senses that something isn't quite right about his dad's death and starts to probe into his things. While doing so, he discovers a list of names tucked away in a CD case. The list corresponds with guests at a swingers party that his dad, Eric O'Malley, was investigating back in the 80s where two guests wound up dead. James can't shake the feeling that the investigation has something to do with his father's death. This drama is definitely a slow build, and James isn't the most engaging lead for this story. Also, considering the case is about swingers and a sex party gone wrong, I was surprised to find that the whole story falls a little flat. I think it requires patience or is best suited to people that enjoy listening to a story over a few weeks, as I think the pace best suits that. Even as a binge listen, it moves really slowly. 
That all said, strangely, I liked the story and the actors. I found the dialogues to be super engaging and the side characters really bring this story to life. A lot of the interviews James conducts with guests at the Swingers Party are hilarious and it's refreshing to hear older women talk about their sexual liberation and the abuse they face for exploring their sexuality. There's a really touching moment between James and a character called Emma as he fixes an old video for her and they sit and watch it together as she remembers her youth. It brought a smile to my face. Here we go. Alice, over here. Look. No, no, that was what is it? Stingray. Oh, yeah. Yes, I remember the stingray. Oh, look at us. How beautiful we were. Just pausing. We bought the bikinis at the hotel shop. What year is this? I think a year, year and a half before it all happened. The goodbye party? Yes. The previous year, the three of us had been to Russia and Latvia, so we wanted sunshine, not snow. Okay, so off forward. Oh, God. It's huge. Does it mean they're in the water? As long as there's not sharks. Um, I'll just freeze it. Alice looks gorgeous, doesn't she? No wonder I'd had a fling with her. Oh, my goodness, that smile for the camera. It's Matilda who's filming all this, isn't it? Yes, she loved using a camera. A snoop in her own way. Come on, let's swim. You coming in? Later. What happened to the sound? <laughs> what? What is it? <laughs> topless! I forgot we sunbag topless. What a torment to any man who passed by. <laughs> I love the character of Emma, and hearing her talk wistfully about her youth was so cute. She's unapologetically naughty. Overall, I liked this thriller, and the final plot twist was truly unexpected and rewarding. This story delivers, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, even if you're not into thriller as a genre. You can find The Goodbye Party by searching for it on the Audible website, where you can also find lots of other brilliant audio dramas to try out too. And now on You Heard It Here First, it's time to hear from our lovely team of Audible editors. Each week, I'm joined in the studio by two members of the team who have a great bit of audio to recommend to you. First up, we're joined back in the studio by Robin Morgan-Bentley. Hi, Robin. Hi, how's it going? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Great. So, in the past, you've recommended Platform 7 by Louise Doughty and Iphigenia in Splot, but what have you got for us this time? Actually, hearing that makes me realise that everything I've recommended has been really quite bleak, and this is uh, probably the bleakest of them all. But it's non-fiction this time, though. It's called Fall and Rise, The Story of 9-11 by Mitchell Zukov. What made you choose that? So I have got an interest, and I'm just making sure I don't sound too weird here. But I, I Are you got, into 9-11 conspiracy no, theories? No, not conspiracy <laughs> theories. I've got an interest in, like the way major news events are broken and it will often be when they are really bad things and so I'll often find myself on YouTube watching the different ways in which broadcasters report the assassination of JFK or the death of Princess Diana uh, and one of them definitely I can remember you know being at school and hearing about 9-11 and just being totally fascinated horrified and then uh, someone actually recommended this to me and uh, it's a really uh, interesting listen and I had been also to the 9-11 Memorial Museum in New York. Uh, I went last year. Um, I think that is an amazing museum if you get the chance to go to New York. But if you don't, I think this audiobook is a good uh, alternative to that. Okay. 
So do you feel like the story of 9-11 was fully captured in this book in the end? Yeah, I think so. It's structured in three sections. So it starts with a section on uh, what was happening in the air. Then there's a second section, which is what's happening on the ground, which is what's happening in the buildings and the firefighters and everyone and families' reactions and things like that. And then the third section is about the aftermath and the legacy of 9-11. So it's really interesting three sections. It's very well structured. You kind of really get into each perspective as you're going along. Did you find the book to be quite moving? It's definitely moving. Um, I think that it is one of the most tragic things that's happened in a world where the internet existed and people had phones and people were uh, recording things and can remember things very vividly. And so the way individual stories were being described was very vivid, upsetting, but it really brought the day to life. So it wasn't about the macro massive tragedy and the thousands of people that died it was about the individuals and their families and you go along with each of their stories so it really was uh, a different way to look at 9-11 and it was uh, moving certainly were there any parts that really stuck with you yeah i remember uh, there was a lot a whole section probably about half an hour on a woman betty ong who was a air stewardess on the first plane and you hear a lot about how she reacted to the uh, news you know, as the person responsible on the plane to the fact that it had been hijacked, you hear about her family's perspective and really hearing her story in detail and hearing the emotion of it and hearing it come to life was was special. Wow. So there's still so much that's unknown about 9-11. Do you think that the author handled that well in the book? I think there's a lot of stuff that is known and the focus of the book was on fact and Mm -hmm. testimony and things people know for sure. I think there's a lot of conspiracy theory about 9-11 and a lot of things people guess and a lot of stories I think people make up and a lot of books about those things. And I think what felt special about this lesson was it felt authoritative. It felt grown up it felt like this is a a proper historical scientific examination uh, the human story of 9-11. So the book actually comes with a pdf too and it includes the names of all the people who lost their lives what was the effect of that do you think? Yeah it's really nice that I think as I said before it's easy to think of 9-11 in a very macro sense as this kind of massive tragedy that happened where thousands of people died. What this book is great at, both in the list but also in the telling of so many individual stories, is just recognising these people as individuals who lost their lives and who had brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and cousins who lost a relative. Um, That list kind of reinforces it in quite an elegant way, I think. Was there anything in the book that you didn't quite love or you weren't sure about? Well, look, obviously it's not the happiest, funniest, cheeriest listen. And, you know, I spent a lot of time listening to quite uh, gruesome details about 9-11. There were no, you know, nothing, nothing was hidden. It was There was a lot of detail in there. So it's something to listen to with caution, uh, to prepare yourself for... Um, and to prepare to be upset by, I think. Okay. Thanks, Robin. Thank you. And for something a little bit different, we're now joined by Harriet Poland. Hi, Harriet. Hello. What are you recommending this week? This week, I'm recommending Mom Darling by Craig Brown. As I say that, it should be Mam Darling, shouldn't it? Because it's 
ma'am like ham, not mom like arm. Isn't that the Queen rule? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to go ma'am, darling. <laughs> Brilliant. What's it about? It's basically a biography of Princess Margaret told through snippets of her that had been recorded over the 20th. She had one of those great 20th century lives where she met everyone from like Boy George to the Prince of Brunei. Yeah. And because she's such an objectionable human being, um, <laughs> everyone wrote down these recordings and recollections of her, which uh, the author has sort of compiled into a hilarious biography. What makes it so funny? I have no idea. I mean, it's quite hard to qualify. Um, I think the author is very funny. I also think the narrator is brilliant. And I think she's just hilarious. The Like Princess Margaret, she's just so vile and mad that it's hilarious. She does have an air of ridiculousness about her that is endearing. And it's the, it's that mischief that she's got. She's just so naughty and deliberately so that you're kind of like, I know you're meant to be a royal and you're also saying really terrible things, but it's very charming and funny. Yeah, you'd much rather have dinner with her than the Queen. I don't know. I You'd rather have dinner with the Queen? Both. <laughs> so boring, the Queen. I think they said some really great things in the book about the Queen, about her having nothing of note to say to anyone and yeah. never being <laughs> remotely interesting or having anything striking or memorable about your conversations with her. I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Your Majesty, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Do you think the Queen listens? No. No. No fear of that. Okay. Um, so this is quite a wild story about Princess Margaret. Did you know much about her life before you listened to it? I actually would say I didn't know anything about her life All right. before I listened to it. I just got recommended it and I thought, oh, I'll just give it a go. And then, genu- you know, there's audiobooks that you actually just listen to every single word and like stand outside restaurants listening to because it's so funny and engaging. So yeah, I didn't know anything. And then I went on a mad weekend dive trying to unearth photos of her yeah did you do that so i knew a bit about princess margaret from the crown which is like become this huge cultural yeah phenomenon and success um through netflix and actually because she's so she's equally as ridiculous on the tv show as she comes across in this book yeah so i feel like actually both just did a really good job of like capturing her life and her grand personality but I also went for a full deep dive because she just comes across as such an interesting person. So interesting. And you're never quite sure what's real and what's imagined and what's fake and what's hearsay with her. Like, even after listening, I was like, did she marry Pablo Picasso? How did I not know that? Is that true? And I don't she, know. When she goes and lives on Mystique and she like has a 20-year-old lover, I was really going in for those photos. <laughs> so good. Did you unearth them? Yeah, they're all these photos of her so loose, just kind of reclined with this like, quite hot young guy next to her. <laughs> wow. Were there any moments about her life that you were just completely stunned by or just found so utterly ridiculous you laughed out loud? Yeah, so much of it. Just so many of the barbed comments and the little asides and the fact that she insisted on having a certain bottled water. Oh, right. She was away somewhere and they couldn't get hold of any more. And so the butler was so scared of her that he filled up an old bottle and, and like engineered resealing it and oh she God. was so suspicious and he had to kind of like <laughs> make the lid for the bottled water because she's so terrifying and then I, I mean it was and it's sad in the end I think yeah. that's, it's also an interesting book so I suppose that's why I liked it so much did you ever feel sorry for her 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't say I felt overly sorry for her at the start of the li- her life when she was, oh, I'm second in line to the phone. So hard. I kind of, <laughs> I mean, pull it together. But um, later on, when you realise that her life just hasn't gone the way that she wanted it to, yeah. in particular in her relationships and I suppose her sense of fulfilling any of the kind of ambitions she might have had for her life. I thought that was sad. I mean, that's just human frailty and failings as they would be for anyone. Do you think you have to be really into the royals to listen to it or is it fun for everyone? You definitely don't need to just be into the royals. I'm not really into the royals and I loved it just because it's hilarious life and amazing glimpse into an astonishingly terrible but very compelling person. Thanks, Harriet. Does she convince you to give Mom Darling by Craig Brown a go? You can find it by searching on the Audible website or app. Subscribe and share your favourite episode with a friend. If you haven't realised by now, we're really showing you all that Audible has to offer, and this next segment is no exception. Audible Sessions is another podcast from the Audible team where they bring in some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases and exciting new projects. This week, it's a clip from Christy Lefteri's interview. Christy Lefteri is the author of The Beekeeper of Aleppo. She chatted to Holly Newson about what inspired her to write The Beekeeper of Aleppo, learning Arabic and life in Athens, spending time with Syrian and Afghan refugees. There is that beauty and there's a lot of heart and feeling, but there's also the medical and logistical side of things. How much did you have to look into immigration, asylum, post-traumatic stress disorder and those sorts of things? Quite a lot. I'll start with the post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. I did a psychoanalytic training for about nine years. I decided that I didn't want to pursue it in terms of being a clinician, but it taught me a lot. I was working as a psychotherapist in a hospital in Westminster, the Gordon Hospital, for about six years. So I was quite accustomed to dealing with trauma and transgenerational trauma as well and so I mean that experience that I had working in the hospital and also the training itself which meant going to clinical seminars and theory seminars that all helped me as well when I was in Athens and I wasn't working as a psychotherapist in Athens I was there making tea and you know like I said playing with the children but having that knowledge at the back of my head helped me to kind of keep my feet a little bit on the ground and to approach people in a way where I could understand as deeply as I could possibly understand what they might be going through and how symptoms might manifest themselves. And they can often manifest themselves in so many different ways. And so my understanding of trauma and what I'd seen helped me to write the character of Nuri and Afra in a way where their journey was about kind of a slow journey of recovery, I suppose. The other things, learning about refugees and asylum, I was always reading articles listening to the radio, watching the TV. I've read about the history of Syria in a little bit more depth, you know, because often when you read the history of something, you start to understand perhaps how something got to a particular point. Mm. Um, Not that I was going to put that in the novel, but I just think having all this information in your mind and having it at your disposal then helps you to choose what you are going to write in the novel and what you're not going to write in the novel. So I did a lot of research When it came to understanding about people claiming asylum, my um, tutor, Ibrahim, was a translator 
So he would go with people to their asylum interviews and translate for them. So he taught me a lot about what happened during those interviews, the kind of questions that were asked, how many interviews there would be, what the process was, what happened in between the interviews, how people applied for the interviews. So a lot of that I got from Ibrahim, but then I would research a little bit more. So he'd tell me something and I'd go home and say, right, he said this, what was that? Right, let me research a bit more so I can understand it a little bit more. Mm. So it was a huge process. There was a lot of research. So what I really loved about this Audible Sessions is that you get a great sense of Christie's dedication to working with refugees in Athens. And also, I basically had to stop and rewind when she said she had a background in psychotherapy. I did not expect that. And it also comes across in the way she describes the kind of hurt and pain that she experiences through the refugees that she's working with. And I thought this was just a fantastic interview where you kind of get a sense of someone who's working really hard, really dedicated to capturing the lives and stories of these people that ordinarily just don't get the shout out that they deserve in the news. If you want to find out more about Christy Lefteri, you can find her full Audible session on the Audible website or app. You can also find more of her work, including The Beekeeper of Aleppo and A Watermelon, A Fish and A Bible. And now it's time to take a trip to our genre corner. You've heard lots of recommendations from us, but now we want to hear what you love. We're really enjoying hearing your voice notes about your favourite bits of audio on the Audible site. From cat self-help to philosophy, we want to know what it is you can't get enough of. This week, we've chosen a review of a sci-fi book, and our recommendation comes from Sid. Here's what he had to say. Hi, I'm Sid, and my favourite book that I recently got from Audible was We'll Save the Galaxy for Food by Yahtzee Croshaw. It's um, something that I'd never heard of, but Audible recommended it to me, and they were right. It's about a down-on-his-luck, out-of-work space hero, and it's got a real witty and surreal comedy point of view that knows how absurd it is, and it's just full of that real kind of sci-fi fun stuff. It's like Indiana Jones in space, basically, but really funny, and um, I can't recommend it enough. I also just found out through Audible that he's done a new book called We'll Destroy the Galaxy for Cash, which is great. So I can't wait to listen to that one too. Thanks, Sid. That does sound like a fun listen. Your description about it being Indiana Jones in space sold it to me. Check out Sid's recommendation of We'll Save the Galaxy for Food by Yahtzee Crocher on Audible. Remember, this is your opportunity to share your favourite Audible listen here on You Heard It Here First. Record a voice note on your phone telling us about an audiobook you love and send it to us at yhihf at audible.co.uk. That's the first letters of You Heard It Here First. But remember, keep your review spoiler free. Get your pens ready. Here's all of the brilliant titles we featured in today's episode. Strange Ways, a prison officer's story by Neil Samwer. So Lucky by Dawn O'Porter. The Goodbye Party by Louis Naura, Fall and Rise, The Story of 9-11 by Mitchell Zukoff, Mom Darling by Craig Brown. We heard from Christy Lefteri about her book, The Beekeeper of Aleppo. And our listener recommendation this week was We'll Save the Galaxy for Food by Yahtzee Croshaw. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan, and featuring Robin Morgan-Bentley and Harriet Poland. It was produced by Ellie Clifford, original music by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan, and the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto.